You are listening to the Feast Podcast from the Light of Jesus family. We share here significant and heartfelt messages for you to reflect on and pray about. May this message help prepare you to face your challenges, follow your dreams, and open yourself up to God's unlimited blessings. Let's come in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Open your hands right now, everybody, and say this with me. Today, I receive all of God's love for me. Today, I open myself to the unbounded, limitless, overflowing abundance of God's universe. Today, I open myself to God's blessings, healings, and miracles. Today, I open myself to God's Word so that I become more and more like Jesus every day. Today, I proclaim that I'm God's beloved, I am God's servant, and I am God's powerful champion. And because I am blessed, I am blessing the world in Jesus' name. Everybody, sing with me in honor of God's Word. Thy Word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Today we'd like to preach the simple message to you, okay? If you're in the mood to write some notes, go ahead and write this one. Be God's love. There you go. Be God's love. Before we read together the assigned word that we have for today, let me do something different. Okay? Because at the feast, you know, we, you know this, okay? If you've been attending the feast, we always like to give you or for you to take home practical things that you can apply in your life, right? Because we don't ever want to waste your time, you know, that you spend with us here. So what we usually do is that we give the practical stuff during the talk. But today, we have decided to give it to you up front. Okay? So if you've got your writing materials with you and it's all ready, I want you to take these down. Okay, we'll be giving you four important, powerful instructions. So here it is in order. Write this down. Number one, make the right list. Number two, consult the source. Number three, look at the mirror. And number four, sit on his chair. Okay, let's leave that slide for a few more seconds. Let's give everybody a chance to write it down. You can even take a screenshot of that. Go ahead. All right, now moving on. Pants down, pants down. That's time's up. Okay, here we go. Today, we are going to be giving you uh, and talking to you about an ancient event that you probably know of already. No, especially if you studied in a Catholic school. How many of you studied in a Catholic school? Give me a virtual hands up. Come on. Catholic school, uh, Catholic students, rather, early on. If you studied in a Catholic school, that's wonderful. Okay, the, the event that we're going to talk about is called the Sabbath. Okay, for most of us, you know, when we hear the word Sabbath, Sabbath is just another word for the word Sunday, right? Because that's what we were taught growing up. That's commandment number five from the Ten Commandments that were passed on by Moses. Keep the Sabbath day holy. Okay, let's go to the reference. Where do we find this? In Exodus chapter 20, verse 8, it says here, Remember to observe the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. You have six days each week for your ordinary work. But the seventh day is a Sabbath day of rest dedicated to the Lord your God. On that day, listen to this, no one in your household may do any work. This includes you, your sons and daughters, your male and female servants, your livestock, that's funny, and any foreigners living among you. For in six days, the Lord made the heavens, the earth, the sea, and everything in them. But on the seventh day, take this down, He rested. Can you type that in? He rested. God rested. That is why the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and set it apart as holy. Now, 
I know what you guys are thinking. You're probably going to use this now as an excuse to your parents. But mom, it's Sabbath day. God rested on the Sabbath day. Okay, let me explain first, okay? This is the reason why we work from Monday to Saturday and on a Sunday, we get a day off. It's because God rested on the seventh day. But is this what the Sabbath was really all about, you know, during their time? I want you to do this, okay? I want you to put on your thinking hats for a moment. And I know what some of you are probably thinking. Brother Audie, it's Sabbath day. You know, it's a Sunday. My brain is on day off. <laughs> okay, I promise you that after this talk, you will appreciate Sundays even more. Okay, let me explain the context. The Sabbath was a very complex event. Okay, it's not like your regular Sunday now where you, you go to church and then after you go there, you just do whatever you want before you report back to work on Monday. Okay, if you lived back then, you know, the Sabbath was a very big thing to the Jewish people. To them, it was a matter of national pride. You know, it wasn't just part of their culture. No, it actually defined their culture. In fact, people could easily tell apart Jews from other people by two things. Okay, number one, circumcision. And number two, the Sabbath. Now, if you were circumcised, then they knew you were a Jew. If you practiced the Sabbath, then they also knew that you were a Jew. Now, between those two, the circumcision was, of course, less obvious. Why? Because nobody knew who was circumcised or not. You know, it's not like the Jews wa walked around and then wore a t-shirt saying, I'm circumcised. Okay? They didn't do that. So the second thing, you know, the, the Sabbath was more obvious. You could tell a Jew apart from the rest how they were the ones who didn't work on Sundays. That's what the Sabbath was all about back then. Okay, but let me qualify by explaining what work meant back then. Okay, the Pharisees who interpreted and implemented the law of Moses, they were very particular about the smallest details when it came to defining work on the Sabbath day. Work was anything that you did that used up your energy. So, you weren't allowed to expend your energy, in other words, all right? For example, you weren't allowed to ride a donkey. No, because that required energy. You weren't allowed to go hunting. No, because that required energy. You weren't allowed to make love to your wife. Because why? That required lots and lots and lots of energy, right? In fact, you know, the crazy thing I found out about this is that you weren't even allowed to think about work. Why? Because that was considered work too. I know what you guys are thinking right now. How do I sign up to this thing, right? Come on, email me the application right now <laughs> before you fill out that form. Okay, let me first explain to you the disadvantages of this practice, of their practice back then. If you find it, if you read the Bible in 1 Maccabees, here's what happened, okay? The enemies of Israel attacked them on Sabbath day. All because they knew that the Jews refused to fight on their sacred day. So what happened? They were all slaughtered. I'm going to read it to you, okay? Without hesitation, the soldiers attacked, but the Jews offered no resistance, refusing to throw stones at them or even to barricade their hideouts. So the foreigners attacked them on, on the Sabbath and they were all killed together with their wives, their children, and their livestock. A thousand people died that day, okay? That's crazy. That's taking the Sabbath to a whole new level. So let me still ask you right now, you still want to sign up to this thing, huh? Hardly right. I mean, hardly not, right? Take note, okay? The Pharisees and, and the Sadducees and the high priests, they were not bad people, okay? These were the people who were uh, uh, implementing the Sabbath. They weren't bad people. They were very sincere, religious, and devout people. The only problem, the only problem is that they went overboard with it. 
okay? This is why it means that having too much, excess is always bad. They focus too much in honoring their religious laws that they forgot to honor the God who wrote the laws in the very first place. That's what happens when you focus too much on the implementation of the law and not enough on the intention of the law. God is love. Can you type that in? God is love. So behind every law that God gave, it's always going to be based on love. When you lose sight of the author of the law, you end up misusing the law for your own selfish agenda. Okay, so honor the God who made the law. Anyway, now that I've given you the context, okay, let's read our key verse. I want you to turn to Matthew chapter 12, verse 1. It's a discussion about the Sabbath, and it says here, At about that time, Jesus was walking through some grain fields on the Sabbath. His disciples were hungry, so they began breaking off some heads of grain and eating them. But some Pharisees saw them do it and protested, Look, your disciples are breaking the law by harvesting grain on the Sabbath. Let me explain, all right? Imagine driving down the new Skyway 3. Okay, there's no traffic, so what do you do? You floor the gas, so you go above your speed limit, okay, obviously. And as you get to the toll booth, you know, a cop flags you down. And then he hands you a, a, a ticket for overspeeding. Obviously, you expected it, okay? But then to your surprise, he also hands you three other tickets. For Number one, for changing the lanes too frequently. He gives you another ticket for driving without a face mask on. And then number three, he gives you a last one for driving with your slippers on. Okay, you had one obvious violation that gave birth to three other senseless violations. And I know it might sound crazy, but that's exactly what happened in this story. You know, the religious police saw what the disciples did, and then they cited them for not just one violation, uh-uh, four other violations. Number one, plucking the corn, ah, that's harvesting, not allowed, violation. Number two, rubbing the corn using your hands, that's called threshing, not allowed, violation number two. Number three, separating the grain and the shaft, that's called winnowing, that's not allowed. Number four, preparing a meal when all meals should have been prepared before the, the Sabbath, that is definitely work and definitely not allowed. Okay, that's how they lived back then. And that's what we're going to discuss today. Okay, but before we go any further, I want us to uh, end with a prayer. Okay, I want you to bow down your heads. Honor God's presence with your thoughts, with your sincerity. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we are here right now in your presence, wanting a message, yearning for your wisdom, Lord. Something that we can apply in our practical day-to-day -day living. So we ask you, Jesus, to show up in a brand, brand new, bold and fresh way. Give us your wisdom. Give us your understanding. We want to be changed by you today. All of this we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. One more time, everybody. Let's sing. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. I'm praying that God is going to speak a word into your life today. If you believe that, type in amen. Amen. Hallelujah. In the spirit of our of our topic for today, all right? One more time, I want you to type this in. Be God's love. That's the message that we're going to preach to you today, all right? Be God's love. And I already gave you the synopsis of the four instructions earlier, all right? Right now, we're going to study them together. Are you ready for this? Okay, here it is. The first instruction, make the right list. Make the right list. 
What does that mean? What list am I referring to? Okay, in the story, the Pharisees were like the religious police that, that, that uh, you know, saw everything that people did wrong. So everywhere, everywhere they went, they had this little notebook. You know, and they put on that list of how people broke God's law. You know, whenever they saw someone do something illegal, they shouted, Aha! You broke law number uh, 309, for example. Okay, that's what they did. I want you to get very real with me right now, okay? Give me a virtual hands up if sometimes you also act like a religious police. Come on, be honest with me. You keep a mental list in your head of all the sins and all the things that the bad things that your fellow neighbor commits. Do you do that? I have to admit to you that sometimes I do that too. Newsflash, I'm not perfect. I just look it. <laughs> just kidding. In fact, let me get very real with you right now. A few weeks ago, I actually went to the grocery to buy something, okay? Very quickly, just one or two items. But So I brought this. This is my half face shield, okay? Let me wear it right now, okay? I prefer using this when I'm quickly going to go in and out of certain places without a lot of people in there because, number one, it doesn't smudge as much like, you know, the, fa the full face shield, okay? And number two, it actually makes me feel and look like Luke Skywalker in Star Wars, <laughs> So, as I was about to enter into the grocery, one of the roving guards who was in a bicycle, he flags me down. And then he shouts at me. He says, Sir, bawal po ang half face shield. And so, you know, I got a little irritated to be very honest with you because my, my car was parked a little bit far. But then I also noticed that the guard didn't even wear his full face shield correctly. You notice how some people do that? You know, like this is the full face shield. You know how some people wear it, you know, like a headband? So what I did was I sneered back at him and I said, Bago nyo ko sitahin, itama nyo muna yung face shield nyo, ha? Yung pagsuot nyo. <laughs> okay, that's what I said. And like I said, I am far from perfect. Okay, but when I was walking back to the car to get the, the other one, the full face shield, you know, the Holy Spirit convicted me of my arrogance. You know, I felt so ashamed of myself. And so when I got back to the entrance, surprisingly, the guard was still there. But guess what? The face shield was in place already. Okay, so then I approached him and I knew exactly what to do. I grabbed my, uh, my, my, my full face shield and then I slapped him. With it, okay, just kidding. I, I didn't do that. I did the exact opposite. Okay, I apologized to him, and then I said, "Sorry, kuya, nahase lang kasi ako dahil ang layo ng parking ko." You know, and then he, you know, he started explaining about their 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 policies and and you know the things that they they needed to do. And you know what he did after? He apologized to me. You know, in the end, God won. That's right. I want you to know this. All right, I want to preach this to you from a very very personal personal perspective. God doesn't just call us to be His law. Okay? God actually calls us to be His love. That's right. So let's stop making a list of how people sin and stumble. Instead, let's make a list of how we can serve people by telling them to be better in a very loving way. Okay? Let me say that. We need to do it in a very loving way because you see, sometimes we're too quick to criticize people for the wrong things that they do. You agree with me? But we're too slow to compliment them for the right things that they've done. You see, I realized that it was such a wrong thing for me to cast a stone, you know, against the guard and then attacking him publicly. I was, it was wrong of me to do that. See, I learned a big truth that day, that the best way to correct someone is to come to them personally without attacking them 
publicly. So if you have something against your neighbor, don't you know, don't attack them publicly. Instead, approach them. Do it privately. Okay, they'll appreciate it more. Let's train our eyes to see the good more than the bad. You see, here's a good recommendation, okay? If you're quick to criticize, be quicker to compliment. In fact, for every criticism that you need to give someone this week, you have to give five or more compliments in return. How does that sound? Okay, make the right list. That's the first suggestion. Here's the second instruction, okay? Consult the source. Consult the source. How did Jesus address the accusations of the Pharisees? All right, they accused him of something. So how did Jesus address them? By mentioning three things, namely David, temple, and the Son of Man. All right, I'm going to give it to you. The first thing that Jesus said was David. So let's go to verse 3. Jesus says, Haven't you read in the scriptures what David did when he and his companions were hungry? He went into the house of God and he and his companions broke the law by eating the sacred loaves of bread that only the priests are allowed to eat. You see, by mentioning the name of David, Jesus was claiming to the Pharisees that, hey, someone here is greater than David. And you see, to them, that was scandalous. That was crazy. Why? Because up until that point, David was their greatest king. I mean, to them, who could be greater than David? Surely not this man who was claiming that he was the Messiah. Actually, they had no idea who Jesus was yet at that time. Okay, here's the second thing that Jesus said. He talks about the temple in verse 5. It says, And haven't you heard that in the law of Moses, that the priests on duty in the temple may work on the Sabbath? I tell you, there is no one here who is even greater than the temple. Again, this was scandalous to the Pharisees. Who could be greater than the holy temple? You see, they had no idea that the one speaking to them was in fact the new temple who would later on declare, I will destroy the temple and rebuild it in three days. They didn't know who Jesus was. And lastly, he quoted the prophets Hosea and Daniel, verse 7. But you would not have condemned my innocent disciples if you knew the meaning of this scripture. Somebody listen to this. I want you to show mercy, not offer sacrifices. For the Son of Man is Lord, even over the Sabbath. You see, Hosea and Daniel said these two things. Hosea said, I want you to show mercy, not offer sacrifices. And Daniel said, for the Son of Man is Lord, even over the Sabbath. He was actually just quoting them. Hosea and Daniel said these before Jesus was even born, but the Pharisees, they had no idea that the one speaking to them was both perfectly human, but he was also perfectly divine. He who had authority over the whole universe. His name is Jesus. Here's a question. Why did Jesus reply this way? Let me summarize it for you, okay? Jesus was simply telling the Pharisees, when you want to understand what the law means, here's what you need to do. Consult the source, okay? Don't consult the world. Don't consult your friends, but consult the source. Who's the source? God is. God is the author and the finisher of our faith. God wrote those laws. So guess what? Consult Him. See, the reason why we stress over senseless things sometimes is because we're consulting the wrong source. Go to God. Okay? He knows this. After all, He wrote it. <laughs> That's right. Here's the third instruction, all right? Look at the mirror. 
Look at the mirror. If you remember this, okay, we preached on this last year when we studied Matthew chapter 9 where Jesus quotes the prophet Hosea. In Hosea chapter 6, he says, I want you to show love, not offer sacrifices. I want you to know this, okay, that in the scale of God's priorities, showing love is more important than offering sacrifices. Let me say that again. Showing love is more important than offering sacrifices. In other words, love should be your greatest offering. I mean, don't get me wrong, okay? Rituals are important. I'm not belittling them. We need them. In fact, they're the treasures of our Catholic faith. But Jesus is simply saying here that showing practical love is way, way, way more important than just doing the religion, the rituals of religion. For instance, okay, you know what's more important than, than sacrifice? Sincerity, okay? Sincerity. If you do all the rituals of religion, but you are not sincere, like for example, your heart is not in the right place. You know, you serve only because you want recognition. You worship only because you want people to applaud you for singing the high notes. Or you give to the poor and then you post it in your IG so that you can garner likes. You see, without sincerity, if your heart is not in the right place, any sacrifice becomes senseless. God wants a heart that's in the right place. So in whatever you do, put your heart in the right place and God's hand will work with you. Can I get an amen from somebody? Amen. Let me end with this, okay? This is how important it is to have your heart in the right place. Verse 10, Jesus is now in the story. He sees a man with a deformed hand. And the Pharisees test him by asking this. They said, does the law permit a person to work by healing on the Sabbath? They were actually hoping for the wrong answer for Jesus to give so that they could call him out, okay? But check out how Jesus answers in verse 11. Jesus says, if you had a sheep that fell into a well on the Sabbath, wouldn't you work to pull it out? Of course you would. And how much more valuable is a person than a sheep? Yes, the law permits a person to do good on the Sabbath. Then he said to the man, hold out your hand. So the man held out his hand and it was restored just like the other one. Then the Pharisees called the meeting to plot how to kill Jesus. You see, Jesus, he didn't just declare what Hosea said, when Hosea said, I want you to show mercy, not offer sacrifices. No, Jesus did not just declare what Hosea said. He demonstrated it, okay? He showed what it meant to prioritize love over the law. But in return, what did the Pharisees do? The Pharisees plotted to kill him. It, this completely revealed where their heart was. The Pharisees were not worshiping God. Instead, they were worshiping his loss. In the same way, we can make the same mistakes. Did you know that? Did you know that we can worship our religion, we can worship our church, we can worship our community, our ministries, our leadership roles, and then make it look like we're worshiping God when in fact, it's not the same thing? How do you know if you are genuinely worshiping God? Okay, we have said this before, that we become like the God that you worship. So to know who you're worshiping, Look at the mirror, okay? And then ask yourself, who am I becoming? Am I becoming more selfless or am I becoming more selfish? Am I becoming more loving or more hateful? Remember what John used to describe God in plain words. He said, God is love. 
Okay, so if we are worshiping this God called love, then we too should be God's love to others. I mean, don't just declare God's love to people. Demonstrate it. Put it into action. Be God's love, my dear friends. To close this talk, please welcome God's love personified, Brother Bo Sanchez. Question. Do you have a mission statement? Vision statement? I had one. I started having one when I was a teenager, a teenage missionary. I crafted it, you know? And I remember it was so long, like paragraphs long. So difficult to memorize. It's like so difficult, you know, if somebody asks, what's your mission statement? What's your vision statement? Um, let me get it from my computer first. <laughs> but as I got older, my mission and vision statements became shorter and shorter and shorter and shorter. And now at the age of 54, if you ask me what's my mission and vision statement, I will tell you right off the bat because it's only three words. Be God's love. That's why I wake up in the morning. That's why I set up my businesses. That's why, that, that's the reason why I, I, I do my ministry. And that's why I'm preaching to you today because I want to be God's love. I just don't want to preach God's love. I want to be God's love. And that's why our one big message for today is so close to my heart. This is my big why. And I pray that it becomes your big why as well. Before we go on, I just want to answer this one question, big question about Sabbath. What does Sabbath really mean? In order to answer that question, you need to go back to the book of Genesis. And that's where it all started. And let me read it for you. In chapter 2, verse 2, it says, On the seventh day, God had finished his work of creation, so he rested from all his work. Dear friends, in one sense, Eden started on the seventh day. Yes! What does that mean? Well, plantitos and plantitas, can I talk to you? Your garden, does it require a lot of work? And every card-carrying plantito and plantita will say, yes, absolutely. But is it a work that you love? And the answer is yes. They feel wonderful. They, they feel they're in heaven, you know, working with their hands, which is exactly what Eden is. Bible scholars will tell you Eden is not the absence of work, but it's, it's working the land, but the land isn't fighting back. That's what happens in Genesis 3 in the consequence of the fall of man where the ground gets cursed. Meaning to say, Eden and Sabbath, you know, they're so connected. And so when you say that Sabbath is about not working, not really. That's just a manifestation. That's just an expression. What's the connection between Eden, the Garden of Eden, and Sabbath? This is what it is. I hope you're listening to me. Let, 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 me, let me bring this up to you right now. Eden, it's not about working or not working. Eden is about trusting or not trusting. Eden, bottom line, is about relationship. Eden is about man and God walking in the garden. It's about God and man doing an H-H-S-S-W-W, um, 
I hope I'm going to say it correctly. It's God and man doing a holding hands, pa sway sway pa, while walking in the garden. It's Eden is about trusting God that He will provide. And that's why the, the expression of Sabbath is not working. But it's not just about not working. It's about trusting in God and in that relationship. And so when God invited the Jews to observe Sabbath at least one day a week for a 24-hour set between Friday sunset to Saturday sunset, it was an invitation to recapture Eden, to go back to Eden, to go back and it, that one day a week to let's walk in the garden again. Come on, trust in me again. Know who I am. Know that I am love. And so in our relationship, in our walk in the garden, you get contaminated by that love and you become love as well. And that's why Jesus heals on the Sabbath. Because he is love and he, he has been walking with his father. And so, he, and I, can, I, can I just maybe make this even more practical with a beautiful story? I'll, I'll, I'll end with this story. Once upon a time, there was this priest and someone calls him up and the woman says, Father, my mother is sick and dying. I don't know how long she will have left. Well, how many days left? Can you visit her? And so the priest goes and visits the home of this woman. When he entered her bedroom, she was lying down in bed, but she was kind of like propped up with two pillows. And beside her was an empty chair. And so this priest was thinking, ah, okay, this was repaired by the daughter, you know, for me, she, she was expecting me. So he goes to the chair and sits down. The woman smiled at the priest and says, Father, thank you for coming. Please don't tell my daughter what I'm about to say, but you're sitting where Jesus is sitting and I don't think he minds, so it's okay. And the priest was a little bit surprised by what the woman said. And, and then he said, what do you mean? And so the woman explains to the priest, Father, you know, I've never been a religious woman all my life, rarely went to church, but when I got sick, I wanted to pray. And so I asked a good friend of mine who I knew was praying a lot and I asked her, teach me how to pray. And so my friend told me, this is what you do. If you have a hard time praying, put an empty chair in front of you and picture Jesus sitting on that chair and then have a heart to heart conversation with him. And so the woman tells the priest, Father, that's how I pray now. And it is so beautiful. I, I really feel I'm close to God now. You know, the priest was listening to the story and he was so moved, so touched. And so um, after hearing that story, the priest, you know, gave to her the whole shebang. You know, he anointed her with oil, heard her confession, gave her the communion. You know, it was beautiful. And then he left. The following morning, this priest received a phone call from the same daughter. And the, the woman told him, Father, thank you so much for visiting my mom. Father, last night, 
she passed away. And the priest said, oh, I'm so sorry to hear that. And then the, the, the woman said, oh, father, it's, 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 don't, you know, because I know she was happy because she had this beautiful smile when she passed away. And then she paused and then she said, but father, can I ask you a question? There was something strange in the way she died. And the priest said, what, what, what's strange? And the woman said this, well, she did not die lying down. When I entered her room, she was leaning on the empty chair. And the priest just paused a bit and he said, I wish we would all die that way. My dear friend, can I share something with you to close this talk? I hear a lot of religious people say, my goal is to go to heaven. You know what? That's a great goal. Awesome, awesome, great goal. But it's not the greatest goal. In fact, it is not the goal of Jesus for your life. You know what his goal is? It's not to escape planet Earth and fly to heaven. That's not his goal for you. His goal for you is to recreate Eden on this Earth. In your family, in your marriage, in your home, in your business, in your job, in everywhere you go, recreate Eden in this world to be his love, to spend time with God so much that you be his love. How? Here's the fourth instruction. The fourth instruction is to sit in his chair, to be like that priest who sits on that chair and she sees Jesus in that priest. Your goal is to be God's love so much that when people see you, they will see Jesus. When people hear you, they will hear Jesus. When people experience you in your presence, they will experience Jesus and his presence. My dear friends, you will not be able to be like that priest in the sense that you will not be able to give anointing of the oil, that's a sacrament, but you can anoint people with kindness. You cannot absolve people's sins, but you know what you can do? You can forgive them with the forgiveness of God. You cannot give people the Eucharist, but you can break your life and feed people. People who are hungry for his love. Hungry not for physical food maybe, but hungry for somebody to listen to them, somebody to pay attention to them, somebody to spend time with them, somebody who can, you know, your mission is to be God's love and I'm praying for you, praying for you, you pray for me, that we fulfill this big calling, this big mission in our lives. God bless you. Thank you for listening to this podcast from the Light of Jesus family. For more messages like these, please visit lightfam.com slash podcasts.